ABF Creative. ABF Creative. We love people who are beneath us and above us, but we never really tend to look at our peers. And that is where the gold is. We love to praise the girl we don't know. And we love to kind of stay away from the girl who's always asking for something. But our peers, that's a whole gold mine of people that you should be connecting with. Yes, welcome back to another episode of No Pressure uh, Brought to you by I don't really have no sponsors Brought to you by me Brought to you by my hustle By my grind (laughs) My time My energy (laughs) So uh, today's episode is fire we have nicole linnell um she is a a fashion designer um entrepreneur a speaker a e-commerce giant i will say and so uh she's someone that a lot of people know about but also not a lot of people know about either you know it's kind of goes both ways you know and so hopefully today's episode kind of puts you on game uh to to her and her hustle and her beliefs and I learned a lot, you know, and then also shout out to all the people who've been listening over the last few weeks. This show has grown tremendously and we haven't even really done much yet, you know. And so when I look at the numbers, when I look at like how the growth has been happening, um, I'm blown away. Um, and so you can always listen in two places. Um, you can listen on justnopressure.com. That's where you sign up to this podcast through the email list and you'll get it to your inbox. Or you can go to Spotify, Apple and all those different platforms and you type in No Pressure hosted by Anthony Frazier. I'm not going to waste no time. I, I, I really want you guys to just sit back, relax tune in and at the end of this uh, interview i'm gonna give you all the takeaways that i learned from nicole um and shout out to her book my fashion fairy tale it's on sale now um and you can hear even more of these gems in that book um see you at the end of the interview like you you've been up for a while actually I wake up really early. I wake up at like 5.30. 5.30? Why? Like, what do you do? Do you have like a morning routine? Kind of. I really love a good sunrise. So I like to watch the sunrise. I like to have a little prayer moment. But I've always been like an early bird. I was born at like 6.37. So I like, I've always popped out early with a smile. That's what's up. (laughs) so i mean most people they say people like a lot of business people they wake up early and they they get started before everybody else's even you know starts and stuff like that did you ever read that before yes i did read that um but i was already kind of like that my mom my parents were woke up early i've always been such a morning person it's like Mm. or the world is just so quiet in the morning i love it yeah yeah and so we're learning about each other right now. We were talking a little bit before the interview started, but 
where are you from? Like, where, you know, because there are a lot of people who who are introduced to you for the first time. And I'm pretty sure a lot of your fans are listening. But for those who don't know you, where are you from? I am from Cerritos, California, uh, which is like the suburbs of L.A. I was born in Inglewood, but raised in Cerritos. Mm. So, yeah. So kind of from L.A. The L.A. girls never let me claim it, but. <laughs> was it like a little bit of beef right there or something like that? <laughs> no 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 but i didn't have the full la experience only the summer growing and, up and so the suburbs so you were you know would you say you had a a very like uh rough childhood was it or was it like middle class like how was it how was it growing up um i feel like i got the best of both worlds because of course i'm my how my home I grew up in, my parents are upper middle class, but like any regular diverse black family, <laughs> all family functions were, you know, you got your hood cousins and your South Central <laughs> summers and your Watts um, picnics and backyard barbecues. So I got it all. But for the most part, I was raised in a upper middle class neighborhood with no black people. Mm. Did seeing examples of successful people around you kind of contribute to a lot of that drive you have today? Or would you say it was something else? Yes, but it it did spark the question about like, okay, they don't look like me though. Like, you know, mm. like when I looked around my neighborhood or when we were around, it was very diverse though, but it wasn't like, you know, when I would go to my cousin's house where it's predominantly black. Yeah. And I saw something, I saw an interview where you said um, in your home, you used to actually post like post-it notes all over your home because you wanted to give yourself, you know, those positive affirmations you don't believe that you saw. And that that came from inside the home, but it came from outside the home too then, right? Or... Yeah, well, I grew up with a very strict mom and she's Mm. very like hardcore. So I wasn't gushed over as a kid. It wasn't the you're so beautiful and sunshine and flowers, princess. Like I made that all up in my head, but (laughs) I didn't necessarily, I heard it outside my home. My mom, which I at the time didn't appreciate, but now I do. She didn't want me to rely on things like that or look for attention for things like that. Like the praise my home came from being smart or doing something well, like activities or sports or, you know, academics. It wasn't just like if you're being cute or whatever, that wasn't the central like thing that made you or whatever. So when I got older and navigating what love looks like, like my first apartment, like that self-care love we all talk about is not like bubble baths and incense for me it was more like changing the inner voice so I had to like most of us whatever voice we grew grow up with kind of overshadows our own so I had to change the inner voice that was inside of me that had me doubting myself that's so important um you know if I could be honest I think that's something that I struggled a lot with um especially when I got into entrepreneurship and started to chase this this dream of mine's, you know, you know, I will always have those self-limited beliefs early on. And was it only the post-it notes that, that got you to get over that? Like what, what was some other things you did to kind of kill those self-limited beliefs? When it totally was not cool. 
I used to go to like Barnes and Noble or like the bookstore, the library, and I would just read like all these self-help books. Like if you came to my house and like my early, like I moved out when I was like 18, like 18, Mm. 19. Um, I've always been really independent, but while my friends were reading like magazines and stuff, I was all into self-help books. (laughs) It's nothing weird about that. That's actually, that's pretty dope. You don't hear that too much. Like as far as like, and so who was your favorite self-help author? What's the book that changed that you think affected your life the most? I would say once I got a little bit older, like I loved, like first ones are a little bit more mushy, but like if you have to cry, go outside because it had that kind of by Kelly Catron. That was like the voice of my mom, but broken down and making it makes sense like my mm. mom was harsh because she thought she was motivating me but mm. in our community we don't talk about communication skills like so she thought she was motivating me but I felt like she was trying to break my spirit so that communication wasn't really there at a certain point like I have a mom who battles addiction and my mom would tell me like if you don't do this right or you don't play your cards right you're going to end up like your mom but Mm. all I heard as a kid was you're going to end up like your mom and that was like a big fear for me and I had to like navigate that and walk through that so if you have to cry go outside really like snatch my life and changed everything I may need to read that. <laughs> you know, when I, when I was little, my mother used to say that to me all the time. She said, you act just like your father. And, yeah. and my father, you know, he wasn't, he, he ain't the best example of, you know, of a, of a good man, you know? And so when, when she used to say that, that, that definitely put a lot of fear in my heart. Um, I don't want to end up like him. And so uh, I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, let's talk about entrepreneurship. So I know you've been doing it a long time, but it just seems like now a lot of what you've been doing is starting to get recognized. Am, am I right in that? In saying that? Uh, yeah, especially like I did start this business and it did become successful really fast. But so did my uh, first, my first business was in 2017 that became successful fast as well. I just was more prepared with this one. And let's uh, talk about that because that first business failed, right? Um, it was, it started to fail. I had a business partner and it just didn't work out. And I was left, I, I walked away from it, not only with nothing, but I had all the debt And I was totally like, you know, discouraged because when you start something, you never really imagine the end part. Like we all Mm. know how we want to begin, but we don't really think like, how is this going to end? Especially with partnerships and working with other people. It's just. Walk me through that mindset. Like what's the mindset you had when you were walking away from it? And how did you recover? So I don't want to say you recover fast because I don't know. But how did you recover from that? Well, I think I didn't have a choice. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I was leaving. Um, I touch on it like briefly in my book. So like this is like so this is the first time I'm like talking about it. Because normally I just graze over the question. Mm-hmm. But I just it didn't feel right. Like I am a workaholic. And what I will say is I will never say like anything like necessarily is wrong with anyone else. But 
your work ethic is really important when you're matching yourself with someone and also your end goal and what you think is important. So I'm kind of like a work myself to death by any means possible, go for it type of girl. And that's not how everybody works. And I just looked around one day and I felt like I was working my butt off and I just looked around and just, it seemed like everyone else was reaping the benefits and not really like, I feel like the one thing, whether that's a business relationship, personal relationship, if you don't feel appreciated, you're not going to want to be there. So Mm -hmm. it just got bad and it wasn't the dream anymore. And I'm not about to be like working myself to the bone and it feels uncomfortable. The last Thing I ever I vowed for when I got older is to be in a situation where I have to be uncomfortable so I just I yeah. left a decision was made that wasn't you know like we would normally do it and it was made without me and that day I left and I never went back mm. I commend you for that and one thing about what you're saying is very interesting and it kind of leads into my next question Because when you are a workaholic and you do so much for your business and you do almost everything, you know, now you have this new business and you know how to do everything and you've been doing it alone for so long. How do you learn to let go and start to trust somebody with the vision, especially when you have that past of people not working hard, people not living up to your expectations? How do you build a team? when you walk away from a situation like that? Um, well, first I had snatched my assistant. That was, so that was <laughs> made it better <laughs> because I mean, people know like what's up. So, um, I feel like it's really, really hard because it's your baby and no one I found, no one is going to go exactly as hard as you, but one key that I have done is I have made people feel a part of it. Um, I always say like, no one's going to rock with your movement until it's moving. And when people see you doing something and working on something, Mm -hmm. they will jump in and help you versus you just talking. So my actions kind of show my team and then they grow with me. It's not all about me in my office or with my business. It's not just this, Nicole show, even though my name is on the wall, like this is your reputation. This is your resume. You're actually in business school right now on my dime. And Mm. you might be frustrated, but I have to deal with the end result. You clock out at five, like, but I have to fix the mess and I have to pay this rent, whether we did good this week or not. And that is like a whole thing. And I communicate that to them. Also finding people who care not only just about your business but about themselves that's one thing that I have learned to look at how do they operate in their own lives and what are their goals and when those are clear up front you can kind of tell what type of person you're with and that's who I want on my team people who are goal-oriented and want to make something also we all like try to have this like non-competitive thing but I don't think that's realistic. I like people with some drive who are competitive, Mm. who want to be great, who want to be the best. That is not a bad thing. I feel like I don't want any mediocre kumbaya. Like I want us all running right now. No, that's dope. That's good. That's good. And so, but how did you, 
what was the first what was your first step in letting go though because i know that like i said before you're a person who you did everything in your business right you know how to do everything in your business oh i had to i had to because uh for greatness i noticed that especially with a lot of businesses that i saw Mm -hmm. i started studying what they do um taking those master classes from experts people who i would really look up to in trade places big ceos and they're not doing all aspects of their business because you can't like i am the creative i am excellent at the plan I need someone to implement that plan, but trusting was really hard. So I started small by giving little tasks away and making people responsible. Like your paycheck is depending on that. I remember um, I I did yoga with Karen Civil and she was like, you eat what um, you kill. And that really like Mm. changed my mind. Like, okay, well, what are they actually bringing to my business? What are you doing? And that little edge really makes people in my office work harder because I need to know what you're here for because they see how I am. Like I can ship the packages. I can do the marketing plan. I can send out the email blast, but do I need to be doing that? No, I need to be out creating content and bringing in the sales. I need you guys to bring it home for me. So there's two other things about you that I thought were really amazing. Um, And I would love to get your perspective on it or at least teach people as they're listening to this. Um, I think you're a marketing genius. And the the fact that you know, here's the reason why, right? You know your audience very, very well. You know your customer like the back of your hand. And so how did you develop that knowledge of your customers so well? Like how did you develop that that sense of knowing what it is they want even before they want it, you know? And so how can people learn how to do that for themselves and their business? And then it's, it's, it's a two layer question. Um, you know how to tell very good stories. You talk about how the story is the thing that sells the most. How do we become storytellers? Is you know, it hard? What- <laughs> like the, I mean, we know the art of sales and the mm-hmm. art of sales is storytelling. Like people need something to buy into. We don't just, there's so much of everything now, especially now that we've slowed down, we can see it now more than ever. Mm-hmm. We're bombarded with images and just products and services all day. How are you going to make that different? And I did my research. Like I look at campaigns. I look at commercials. I look at ads in magazines and what are they all doing? They're telling you a story, whether it's a beautiful story, whether it's a cheap story, there are different markets. So you need to find a way to get in front of who you want to. And I feel like the big misstep a lot of my clients have is they are trying to appeal to too many people or they're trying to do whatever the people that are coming want them to do. And I'm like, no, I brought my customer here. I try to do everything I can to bring my muse to me. And that's my art form. I know what type of color she likes. I know where she's going after work. Mm -hmm. I've built all of this so that when she comes to my page, she can't leave without some NL, whether that's a dress. And even if she can't afford it now, she's going to get that little, you know, that little accessory or something until she can. It's an art form and you have to 
and it shows and it's going to resonate and you can't do that unless you yourself believe in it. But what if I'm telling stories and nobody's listening? It doesn't, does that, is that mean that I'm not telling the right story or could it be? Or you that might I'm be just... telling the story right. Mm-hmm. So how do you start? Like, where do I, where do I start at? You know, because like, you know, I'm pretty sure your brand didn't start with the amount of success that it had now. Like it started somewhere. Right. And so like, if I'm a, if I'm someone building a brand from the ground up and I start telling stories how am I going to get this in front of the person or the amount of people that I need it to, to get in front of uh, as, as soon as possible? Like, is that social media? Is that paying for ads? Am I writing articles, press releases? What am I doing? How am I getting that story out there? You're doing everything that you can for, for free until you can pay for it. But I would say social media right now, there is no excuse if you're not so using social media. This is There's so many free platforms for you to sell yourself or your product or whatever you're doing on. And so many people are uncomfortable with that. But it takes some finesse and it takes an art form for you to be able to sell and not look salesy. But you have to research that and find out what works for you. For me, I said, what do people respond to the most? I know they're not really here for my selfies. I know they could care less about my sandwich. But when I give them a full body picture with an outfit, the girls go wild. So what am I going to do? I'm going to give them that. And I'm going to give them that every day. And I'm going to be consistent until they can't take it no more. Every (laughs) girl knows every day that they're going to wake up with Nicole spinning around in something fabulous on their timeline. I've been doing it for years. So that's what made it great. And I did it when nobody was watching. In the beginning, when I had no followers, I was already doing it. If you look at my page, I have over 10,000 posts. I've been doing this for a long time and it and it paid off because I did what was working for me. I couldn't look at what everyone else was doing. If I would have done that, it would have thrown me off. I had to say, okay, these outfits are what the girls come to me for. If I have to get dressed in this ball gown and go sit at Starbucks to give out my business card, that's what I'm going to do. If I have to take this glitter encrusted laptop case so that people stop and talk to me, that's what I'm going to do by any means necessary. And you, you touched on something that I thought was really important, which is you not paying attention to what anybody else is doing. Um, fashion is super competitive, like any business for the most part, it's super competitive. There's a lot of different um, people who are in the same category as you are. How do you set yourself apart? You know, um, how do you learn to ignore the competition despite the the pressure? Um, what would you say to, to someone who's looking to, to, to get a one up on a competition or is it just completely ignoring them altogether? Like, what do you think? You have to be aware, but you don't have to be bothered by it because it can be, it can kind of discourage you. There's been so many times where great minds think alike. You may have been working on something for months, then you see so-and-so drops it and you get discouraged. But I have a thing, I'm like, do it first or do it better. If I see it, I'm going to do it better if I haven't done it first. But get your Pinterest out and find out how to make your splash and you don't even now it's even so much like easier. Like you have a smartphone and natural light. Like you can create so much amazing content. Mm. It's just about getting out there and doing it and getting out of your head. If you have three friends 
one hold the camera, one hold the reflector, <laughs> and you get out there and you make it happen. And you do it all for each other. One person may have a fashion business. One person may have a maybe a photographer. This is like the perfect time for yeah. you to be like, get out there and do something. But so many people are moving in fear yeah. or we're all scared. We have a scarcity mindset of if we help this person, then I might not make it. But we have to like get out of that, out of that mindset. Like all of my friends, we're all on it right now. In these times, relationships have saved my life. Mm. Literally like being able to pick up the phone, like, Hey girl, what's going on? Are your sales down or up? What have you done different in this time? Oh yeah. I'm doing this. I'm using this app. I'm getting on this email list. I switched my ads up like this. And that's what, how we're all going to make it. You know what? I always said that I literally just did something where I was sucking my, I truly realized the value of your network when you can activate it. Um, a network is, is useless unless you know how to activate it and really pick up the phone. And so, you know, asking for help, is that something you feel like has held a lot of people back? Um, because especially us black people, <laughs> we, we don't like to ask for help, yo. We don't like to ask for help. And so, you know, there's an ego issue when it comes to, especially in black business. So how did you overcome that particular issue in black business ego? Um, I'm, I've created a great network and I also don't come empty handed. I know uh, nobody wants to just, you know, pour, pour, pour all the time without getting anything back. So maintaining relationships is something I even have to work on because I will disappear from your whole life for six months and be so deep in the hole of grind that you might not hear from me. But when you do, it's going to be absolutely amazing. And my energy is going to be bomb. And sometimes, even if you don't have anything financially or, you know, a gift or anything like that, it can just be your bomb energy that you get. You should always be able to bring something to the table. Like, hey, let me just ride with you today. I'll drive you around if you tell me, you know, what's up on this or whatever. Like, also, I have found with our community, we love people who are beneath us and above us, but we never really tend to look at our peers. And mm. that is where the gold is. We love to praise the girl we don't know. And we love to kind of stay away from the girl who's always asking for something. But <laughs> our peers, that's a whole gold mine of people that you should be connecting with. We're always trying to network up, but we need to go sideways. That's amazing. I feel like I'm all over the place, but you drop in so many gems. like. <laughs> I think I'm like, yo, this boy is all over the place. I guess, so, you know, look, I, I'll ask one more question because I think it's the most important one. Um, and it's around goal setting. And there are a lot of people who struggle to goal set. And it seems like you are fantastic at setting a goal, dreaming of a vision and going after it, you know, but people set goals all the time, but they don't always follow through. What are you doing to follow through on your goals? What are people missing? What's the secret ingredient to staying on top of them and really accomplishing them? I feel like the one that it's like the generic answer that we all say, but do we all do it? And that's doing the work consistently when I don't feel like it and it's every day. And when it, it seems like it might not be working, I already know what it feels like to lose everything and stand mm. in the dark. So... I didn't die, so kind of felt like I did, but <laughs> I, I've already been there. So what could be 
seriously, what could be worse than that? So why can't I have everything that I dreamed of? And then once I got a little taste of it, now I'm completely unstoppable. It's one thing to put it on your vision board, but to break down what it really takes to get there, Mm -hmm. that is a whole nother beast. And once we break it down, now what work are we really willing to do to get there? Right now, I realized like sacrifice. I wanted a new car for my birthday next month or in June. And I'm like, no, you're going to skip that new car because you're always talking about this dream house you want. So Mm. stop with the apartment, stop with the car, stop with wanting to look like it and really beat it because we all want to shout about the success, but the sacrifice is something that we don't really talk about. And I'm not talking about sacrifice as in you have to live this like whole like modest lifestyle because we all yeah. know even that but you might have to it might not be your turn right now mm. and sometimes you have to be in the season of service and that is a hard pill to swallow when you feel like it's your time because I've had to deal with it a lot like okay I'm doing this I'm doing the work and I might not be getting there when I want to but it's just not my turn yet and I every time it has been my turn I realized why it wasn't my turn I haven't been at certain tables when I didn't have the right thing to say. So that's like a whole thing. It's the work part. Like we're lazy. Like I'm just be honest. We don't (laughs) want to really work. We want somebody to give it to us. We want to be put on the stuff. We want somebody to do it for us, but that we as a people need to wake up and realize, hello, no one's coming to save us. Nah, you hit on something. And I feel like you, you know me. Um, Cause that's exactly, there's been times in my life where I felt like, yo, this is my time. (laughs) <laughs> like, why is why is this shit not happening man like, i've been like tag me in i'm ready to come off the bench like i'm yeah. practicing i'm ready i'm like yo i'm praying to god i'm like yo like what's up my dude like i'm doing everything right like what's going on and you know what's crazy when i always look back now i'll be so glad that he didn't give it to me when i needed when i wanted it because right. The lesson that I learned in this, the seasons are for a reason, right? Like everybody goes through a season. Like, what is that season for? Like, we're supposed to learn something from these seasons. And, and and you're right, it's a hard pill to swallow because if it's a rough season, it's a rough season. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. yeah. We want to be on stage. Everybody wants to be on stage right now, like getting yeah. their shine. But the grind part, we don't really want to talk about that one. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And you also talked about reverse engineering your goals too, because, um, you talked about how you broke down, like, Hey, you wanted to make a million in a year. Like, how did you, how did you change your mindset to breaking down that first million or, you know, reaching that million? How did you think about that? I literally had moved into this, um, Loft. Like a couple months in, I had a month where I like profited like $40,000. So I'm like, ooh, if I could do this consistently, I can change my life. I can get all the things on my vision board. I can do it out here. So Mm -hmm. what is this going to take to do this consistently? And I noticed like, okay, a million dollars is is, I mean, it seems like a lot, but when you start doing it, it's really not a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Not like that, but because you don't profit that. And then I was like, okay, a million dollars feels too heavy, but I can handle making, you know, around like 
3,300 a day. That feels more comfortable than saying I need to make a million dollars this year. So daily I would sit there and I got this live work loft. And instead of going home every night, I put an air mattress in the next room because there were nights where I wouldn't leave until I hit that goal, whether that was creating more content, sending out an email blast, making some phone calls, doing whatever needed to be done because that goal was so important. And in that in that office, in that live work loft made a woman out of me because I became relentless and I became addicted to results. Mm. And a few months before a year, I looked up and I had did it. And in a year I had overdid it. Mm. And I've continued to build off of that mindset, yes, it would be so, would have been so easy for me to stop there. It would have been so easy for me to say, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, go buy a bag or like, no, I reinvested as well. When I had that profitable month, I reinvested everything and then Mm -hmm. I built it again. It was just all money in and I was totally in the zone and focused and I'm still that way. But I mean, I feel like you have to be a little bit like psycho, but you can totally do it. (laughs) Well, you know what? You got drive and sometimes drive is something you can't teach. And okay. Who has the gyms now? (laughs) (laughs) That's a gym. (laughs) Yeah. Because no one really says that. Like we all act like it's just everything is not like everything is not for everybody. It's not like even saying with the business partner thing and the work ethic, Mm -hmm. Now in this season, I've learned like, no, that is not everybody's mindset. And that is not what works for everybody. And sometimes it's not even healthy for me, but I am doing what needs to be done. Yeah. And sometimes you can't sell that, you know, it's like you can't teach it. You can't sell it. And if you don't have it, you can give away all these gems on this podcast and it wouldn't even matter. Because if you don't have that one thing, which is the drive, then all of this information is useless. Oh, that was so good because people (laughs) get addicted to information. I have seen girls who buy everybody's class. You're in everybody's mentorship program. You're buying all the books, but you will not take one step to do the work for yourself because it is Mm -hmm. scary. We all want to start like I hear so many times like, oh, you have the following. I'm like, first of all, there are people out there with way more followers than me who still can't sell anything. Yeah. And also they came later. Like they came once we start doing the work. Like I was already doing this. They just happened to come. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something that's, it's, it's a big problem. And it's honestly, it's like, if they call it information porn or hustle porn and, and like, it's, it's, it's sad because I know somebody who's teaching like a course on, on, on how to do something. And I, and I spoke to him and I said, Hey, look, are you, are you worried about people kind of running with your, your whole stuff? And he was like, no, cause I know only like 10% of the people is actually going to do it. And so he was like, I don't care about teaching everybody. They paying for it. They making me money, but only 10% of the people is actually going to do what I'm, what I'm telling them to do. And that's like, I'm the opposite because I get mad. Like I can't even, I'm like probably the worst mentor because if I see you're not paying attention and you're not doing it, I'm so over it. Like you're not even going to try because it's hot. It is hard in the beginning. Like, but when you can write all the books in the world, or you can read all the books in the world about riding a bike, but until you get on that bike and ride it, you're going to have a totally different experience. You're going to fall off. It's going to be hard, but what's even harder should be, watching your life pass you by 
Have you ever tried to motivate a stubborn person? All the time. How do you motivate? Do Is it possible? Do you let people just be them and just say, you know what? I'm just going to let them go do what it is that they, they want to do. Let them learn the hard way. Especially think, if it's somebody you care about. I think those people kind of fall out of my life mm. because I am highly motivated and I am on it. So we all talk about everybody can't go and there is a resentment sometimes um, that comes with that, especially when it is your turn and I have surpassed people, but it's a, it's a way to still motivate them. And if you really love them, you're going to tell them like, I have great relationships at this point because we're honest with each other. Like, Hey, what are you doing? You're slacking over there. You're falling off. Like we check on each other and you have to really put things into perspective because people will be like, Oh my gosh, things really took off for you. And I'm like, yeah, we would be right here together. If you wouldn't have fell off, what are you doing? <laughs> and they do the same thing to me. My good girlfriend just checked me the other day when I was writing about my dream house, she was like, put the snooze emoji. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you don't want that dream house. Cause you keep spending money on dumb stuff. And I was mm. like, Ooh, rude. While everybody else was motivated by my picture, she snatched me right back and gave me the real deal. And that's really, you know, hard for us because that's considered hating or whatever. But sometimes yeah. you need people to check you. And when it comes to motivation, you have to know, you know, someone's language. Sometimes coming at them hard might not work for them. Sometimes there might be a, di a deeper underlying issue. And this can get really heavy for people, especially with social media. When things are changing and you haven't changed and you're watching everybody else evolve, and that can drown you. So yeah. I've had to help a lot of friends with like their social media, with switching to different platforms, with different things and not being afraid of that. Because I don't want to be the only one because I don't want to pay for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I got like 20 more questions, but I'm going to end it right here. Uh, <laughs> but because because this is just going on forever. But I just want to thank you for your your gems, this hour of gems. I know we were a little all over the place, but I appreciate I appreciate you dealing with me, having patience with me. You're so welcome. I'm not going to lie, yo. I'm kind of big inspired, yo. <laughs> Nicole got me, you know, about to start a little t-shirt line and start modeling it off on my page or something, you know, maybe some no pressure shirts, some no pressure caps and all of that. Let me know if y'all think that'd be a dope idea. I might start that up. Uh, but this was a great interview. Um, the, the first thing that I learned from her is the importance of a morning routine. You know, when she woke up, she said when she woke up, she got right into her Zen mode, you know, and she got right into it. And she woke up early, too, by the way. Let's not forget that. But when she did wake up, she get, you know, her prayer mode, her meditation and all of that, you know, the Zen mode and really just start setting the tone for the day. I think that's really important. 
Also, she stressed the importance of reprogramming yourself, you know, changing that inner voice that you have. You know, um, she was posting post-it notes all over her house. Um, and even later when she got her own house, you know, really started working on her mindset, you know, posting up uh, notes and really started reprogramming and giving herself confidence, the confidence that she didn't think she got from the people that was around her at, at that time, at least. Um and last but not least, man, she said a lot, man. I'm, I'm skipping over uh, gems. Read the email. If you're reading the, the study notes and the email, you'll see all the different things that I, I grabbed from her. But on this particular podcast, I'm going to say the key to building her million dollar empire uh, was the small, consistent goals. You know, um, I think sometimes when we think really big and we dream really big, um, it's good to dream big, but sometimes you got to break that dream down. You got to break that dream down into small little chunks, you know? And so she talked about, you know, maybe instead of looking at it, like I want to make a million dollars. She was like, well, maybe I need to make $3,000 a day, you know, and maybe that means I need to make this much money an hour. So how do I do that? And that was a, a lot easier for her to, uh, a, a better challenge for her to address than to be like, yo, I want to make a million. Um, actually, I'm going to drop another gem in here too that she dropped, uh, which was build your inner circle. You know, she she has a circle of people that keeps her honest and, and keeps her in check. And I think that's important. Napoleon Hill and, and Think and Grow Rich talked about the power of building a mastermind. And she didn't use these words, but that's what she has. She essentially has a mastermind of other successful women who tells her like, hey, you know, you're not going to get that house if you're not making this move or what are you what did you do today or uh, what did you didn't do today? You know, and so I think that was so key and so important. So uh, Nicole dropped a lot. You know, you can always hit her up on her website. Her Instagram is in the show notes. Her website is in the show notes. Click on it. Support her um, Buy her book. Um, and yeah, this, this, this was a really good interview. I can't wait to, to see where her brand goes next. Peace. i